The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoke Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. We're going to do something today which we have not done, I don't believe, which is to review. We're going to go over a set of readings that I I made another episode on a couple of months ago. Um, I had some new thoughts, but I just kind of wanted to go over the same idea again and just see, you know, I'm, I'm in a different place now than I was then, and... Uh, and, you know, we've, we've learned a lot of stoicism since then, uh, and, uh, and we'll see where it takes us this time. Um, I was looking for a stoic quotation to, uh, I guess, to justify reviewing, uh, not that you need to justify reviewing. Uh, and there are obviously plenty of Jewish quotations uh, to that effect. But I thought of this quote. I don't know where it comes from in Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, but he says, your life is what your thoughts make it. And then that is paired with a, I paired that with a quotation from uh, Thoreau. Apparently it's not actually from Thoreau, it's misattributed to him. So I don't actually know where it comes from. But he says, a single footstep will not make a path on the earth. So a single thought will not make a pathway in the mind. To make a deep physical path, we walk again and again. To make a deep mental path, we must think over and over the kind of thoughts we wish to dominate our lives. So I thought that those, those two paired very well, which is that, you know, it's one thing to hear a stoic idea and understand it. But um, I don't, as Rabbi Moskowitz always uh, uh, emphasized to us, that you really have to see it very clearly, but then go over it again and again and again and apply it to particulars in order for it to affect your emotions. And so um, that's the spirit in which we are going to be reviewing uh, today's ideas. So these three readings come from uh, all from Marcus Aurelius in the meditations. The first one is from uh, Book 6, Chapter 27. How inhuman it is to for oh sorry and the uh, as you can tell from the the what do you call it the um, title uh, the theme here is uh, stoic compassion um, so Marcus really says how inhuman it is to forbid men to set out after what appears suitable and advantageous to themselves yet in a way you are not allowing them to do this whenever you are indignant because they do wrong for certainly they are moved to what looks to be suitable and advantageous to themselves but it is in fact not so. Very well. Instruct them and make it plain. Don't be indignant. So main point he's making here is that when you see someone do something wrong um, then and you're indignant, then that is irrational because everyone is just doing what appears to them at the moment to be advantageous to themselves. Um, you know, that's the premise is you, you act on what you, what is, uh, what you believe is, is the good for you. And, and yeah, you're, you could be misguided in terms of your understanding of the good, but you are, you're not setting out to do evil. You're, uh, you're, you're following what you think is good. All right. So keep that in mind. Next reading is from book seven, chapter 22. It is a property of man to love even those who stumble. This feeling ensues if it occurs to you at the time that men are your kindred and go wrong because of ignorance and against their will. That in a little while, both of you will be dead, but above all, that he did you no harm, for he did not make your governing self worse than it was before. So that is also addressing another form of compassion. When you see someone stumble, um, and it uh, seems like he's talking about a case where they stumble in a way that harms you or that you feel harms you. But what he's saying is that, uh, number one, um, they are going wrong because of ignorance, right? Because they uh, they have a mistaken idea about what is good for them. And they're not actually harming you because the you is the self, is the governing self, and they didn't harm that. Uh, you know, they might have harmed your, your uh, you know, your possessions or your body or maybe even your feelings, but not the governing self. And that's really where, according to Stoicism, the, the actual harm lies. And then the last reading is from Book 7, Chapter 26. 
And when a man offends against you, think at once what conception of good or ill it was which made him offend. And seeing this, you will pity him and feel neither surprise nor anger. For you fool your, for, sorry, for you yourself still conceive either the same object as he does to be good or something else of the same type. You are bound, therefore, to excuse him. If, on the other hand, you no longer conceive things of that kind to be goods or ills, the more easily, the more, sorry, you will the more easily be kind to one whose eye is darkened. So again, similar idea that uh, when someone does wrong to you, stop and think what what conception of the good or the bad prompted him to do this. And there's going to be two things, uh, you know, two possibilities. Either you agree with the concept of the good that led him to do this action, um, in which case, of course, you have to excuse him because he was actually doing what you think is good um, and you just took it wrong. Or you realize he was mistaken about what the good is, in which case that should lend itself to a certain compassion and sympathy of the fact that he his eye is darkened, that he's blind. You know, and last time I did this episode, I read from the Rambam in the Guide for the Perplexed uh, 311 uh, that he's talking about interpersonal evils. And he says, these great evils that come about between the human individuals who inflict them upon one another because of purposes, desires, opinions, and beliefs are all of them likewise consequent upon privation upon the lack of a good for all of them derived from ignorance. I mean, from a privation of knowledge. And then he gives this good analogy, just as a blind man, because of absence of sight does not cease stumbling, being wounded and also wounding others because he has nobody to guide him on his way. So too, the various sects of men, every individual, according to the extent of his ignorance does to himself and to others, great evils from which the individuals of the species suffer. If there were knowledge whose relation to the human form is like that of the faculty of sight to the eye, they would refrain from doing any harm to themselves and to others. So again, I, this idea we've talked about throughout the episodes and especially that, you know, the episode on the other episode on stoic compassion that like, you know, we take things personally and we feel that we're harmed by people uh, who do things that hurt our, possessions, our bodies, or our feelings. But first of all, the person is not behaving maliciously. They are they are pursuing what they believe to be good for themselves. And it could be that they're completely wrong, but in principle, they're doing the same thing that we are. We're pursuing the good and they're pursuing the good. Um, but but it just happens to be that they're misguided in a way that, that led to uh, uh, suffering. And then the second point is the fact, again, going back here, that they didn't you know, they didn't just because you got hurt, it does not mean you were harmed. There's a difference between being hurt and being harmed. And and the more we review that idea and the more we realize that that the actual self is not something that they touched, you know, is uh, then the more resilience we have and uh, and the more it puts that pain into perspective. So the new note that I got here uh, this time around, this is actually what prompted me to um uh, to record today's episode is, as I've alluded to last week, I have been reading a lot about IFS, about internal family systems therapy. Um, I'm about halfway through the book Self Therapy by Jay Early, um, and uh, and in it he writes this um, uh, this uh, uh, about how the perspective that, uh, that IFS gives you makes you a more compassionate person. Now, I guess I have to go into a little bit of IFS right here, just basic theory. So one premise of IFS is that there is, um, is that it's a non-pathologizing um, paradigm. So, so things that would be considered um, diseases or disorders in other paradigms uh, are viewed as, so to speak, having positive intentions. So in other words, let's say you have like a, uh, you know, let's say a person has like an eating disorder or, or, uh, or an addiction or, or, you know, uh, some, you know, self-harm based ideation. 
So, um, so those are not viewed as diseases. Those are viewed as parts of you that, that are trying to do something for your benefit, but it's miscalibrated or misguided. Like it might've served a purpose at one point in your life, you know, to protect a vulnerable part of you from feeling hurt. Um, or it might've been a defense mechanism to help you cope with, uh, something in the external world that could have hurt you, but it became sectioned off and continues to operate in that way in, in a manner that's actually not in your good. Um, an, an analogy here would be, um, uh, I, this is not his analogy, but like, you know, if you see, uh, I don't know, I found this a handy analogy is, you know, uh, a deer in the headlights will get hit by the car and die. So it'd be easy to point to the deer and say, oh, that's, that's, uh, that's a mistake. You know, that's like a, a disorder, you know, well, really the deer uh, you know, evolved to freeze when it sensed a threat because in the forest, there are predators that can't see motion. And if the deer freezes, it actually is something that, that saves it, you know, from, uh, from harm. The problem is that that doesn't work on the street on a, on a highway, you know, is the, if the deer freezes on the highway, it'll get hit. So, so too, there are these parts of ourselves that are trying to cope with reality or trying to protect ourselves from pain and they have good intentions they're trying to do something that's good for us but but it, it be, since it's since they're not functioning in reality then then and they're kind of like arrested at these critical points in our development then they uh, they're ineffective and they create problems so jay early on page 121 of self-therapy writes oh and we call these uh protector parts uh he says because some protectors give cause us serious problems we often see them as bad as enemies to be expunged from the psyche for example an inner critic part reproaches you for every little thing you do and makes you feel inadequate and worthless it might criticize your social skills intelligence appearance or competence all it ever seems to do is attack and make you feel bad about yourself when you see what this part is doing you may want to get rid of it a second example is a protector that you view as downright evil such as one that lashes out in harsh ways or explodes in rage this can get you fired or create a huge rift in your family. However, once you get to know any protector, no matter how destructive it is, you discover that it isn't your enemy after all. It is trying its best to protect you from harm or pain. And when you realize this, you soften towards it. You understand that the protector is simply misguided and doesn't know any other way to protect you from what it sees as horrendous suffering. This helps you to understand it and have compassion for it. Uh, and then, okay, so another, just to give, give an, another example of this in the human realm, I realize I didn't give a, a, an example. Like, let's say you have someone um, who, uh, let's say like, let's say when you're very harsh on yourself and you beat yourself up when you make a mistake, you know? So it's easy to get mad at that part of yourself and feel that it is, uh, harming you, you know, but, but, you know, perhaps that, that critical, that, you know, that, that self-critic part of you is trying to shield, you know, if you understand it and you realize that it is actually trying to shield you from other feelings of hurt, Let's say like if it, 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 let's say that part of you feels that if you didn't, if you weren't hard on yourself, then you would fail and, and, and suffer from the, the, you know, the, 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 the sadness that you would feel and it's trying to protect you from that sadness. So then you feel more compassionate towards it. Okay. So that's, again, this is the basic, uh, um, paradigm of IVS, but then, uh, Jay Early says the thing that connects it to Marcus releases readings. He says, imagine what it would be like to see other people in this way too as well-meaning at heart, but sometimes misguided. We would understand that even our worst enemies are driven by parts of theirs that are just trying to protect them from shame, fear, and other difficult feelings. We could soften towards them, despite how onerous their behavior has been. We could feel compassion for difficult and destructive people in our lives. 
So that's really the key realization here. And again, this is not a new realization, but I think seeing it through IFS helped me to process it in a different way and made it more real to me that when, when someone does something that hurts you, so first of all, it's not them doing it to you, right? Really what it is, is they have a governing self uh, or what the Stoics would call a governing self, what IFS people would call self. And that that governing self is being impinged or, or manipulated or, or, or affected by these parts of their psyche that don't allow it to operate in what is actually in their best interest. So these parts of their psyche are doing things which are also good intentions, so to speak. You know, these people are driven by psychological forces that are, that, that are trying to protect them and to save them. And that's interfering with their ability to see things, you know, to see things, uh, uh, you know, through, you know, rationally, like, like the Ram says, it's like a blind man, you know, it's like, like these parts of your psyche are like, you know, <laughs> almost literally covering your eyes with their distortions and, and, and thinking that that's going to benefit you, you know? So what you, what you're confronted with here. So I guess before I read this IFS book, then, and when I tried to apply Marcus Aurelius's technique, I would see people who harmed me um, as, as, you know, operating under the wrong idea of the good. But now through IFS, I see these people as like, they themselves are, are, are victims of other parts of their psyche that are also trying to do good, but are blinding them to what is actually good for them. And then that's causing them to harm me. And then the, the last step is like Marcus Aurelius says, you know, they aren't actually harming my real self. And that's very in line with IFS as well, is that like nothing that, that anyone else does can actually harm your self with a capital S. So it's like, you know, the, the I, I think that, that Marcus Aurelius' idea stands on its own, as does the Rambams in what I just read. But the IFS thing, I guess, you know, uh, that, that paradigm allows me to have even more compassion for people because they themselves it's not just that they're operating on, under the wrong idea of the good. It's that they're operating under under the wrong idea of the, of the good because they're being manipulated by parts of their psyche that are also trying to go, do good for them, but it's just misguided. I don't know. For me, that that that, that clinched the, the idea and like helped. I don't know. Help. It helped me to feel more compassion. Uh, I mean, the, the trick is going to be to actually like have this in mind when this happens. You know, um, but we'll, you know, we'll see. First step is just to get the idea clear. Uh, that is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider, consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone. And since this is the beginning of the month, I'm going to thank all my patrons really quickly. Thank you to Tamar, Isaiah, Isaac, Rafi, Danny, Anne, Aaron, Ed, Moshe, Dove, Esti, Ellie, Dan, S., Gersh, Stephen, Adam, Albert, Avi H, Gabi, Ariel, Ezra, Yaakov, Dani, Johnny, Terry, Elliot, Jonah, Daniel, Yael S, Shai, Frederick, Yael W, John, Gula, Jacob, Avi G, Rachel, and Dan. Dan L. Thank you.